Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coach Speak. I'm Matt Seidel, along with co-host Derek Seidel and Josh Trope. This episode is brought to you by Monroe Sports Varsity Athletic, a quick turnaround, high-quality business for more than 30 years. Contact Randy or Kim Winham at 734-652-0720 for a great deal in your next purchase of sporting apparel. Today's guest is Josh Baker, the new head boys basketball coach at River Rouge High School. Coach Baker is best known for his time at Southfield Christian High School, where he won five state championships between 2012 and 2019, and his connection to University of Alabama head coach Nate Oates, whom he assisted both at Romulus High School and Alabama. Today, Coach Baker covers the dynamics of his offensive philosophy and the importance of developing highly skilled players. Also, during our shot clock segment, he discusses the benefits of playing football in the fall and identifies a high school basketball coach in Michigan who doesn't get the credit he deserves. So, without further ado, here is Josh Baker. Coach Baker, it's a pleasure to have you back on the pod and back in the state of Michigan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, my friend. It's great to see you guys. Okay, you know, the last time uh, we talked to you, we kind of scratched the surface a little bit when it came to your offensive system and how analytics uh, was shaping your philosophy. So we wanted to pick up right there. Um, can you kind of walk us through, I guess, where you are right now in terms of how you want to play offensively and what specific numbers are influencing your thinking? Uh, yeah, you know, like, it's funny, like you always try to, it's, it's easy to go with Nate and then kind of follow his system, right? And um, so now at, at Rouge, we got to kind of exactly put in, you know, what, what we want and what our philosophy is. So number one, I think for us is uh, you have to have skilled players. Like you, you have to develop skilled and talented guys who can dribble past shoot. And so the more you have like that, I, I think like your play, you know, your plays work better. And then, uh, you know, the second thing we want to do is score in transition as fast as we, we can. And we want to teach all of our options, right? Like we want to know whether you hit the five or the two or the three or the four, we want to know every single option in transition. And then from there, if we can't get anything, we want to actually continually attack. We don't want to just get into a set, pull it out to half court, let the defense set and load up. So we want to continuously attack, whether that's with a drag screen or if that's through dribble drive or if that's through swing and cut through and drive off him. We want to continually flow into our offense and create closeouts. And then again, if we don't get anything, then we'd actually run a set. At the end of the set, we want to flow into dribble drive. And then we want to shoot with confidence at the end of it. And then uh, we, we want to crash like crazy. We, we want to get four guys on the glass. So that's in a nutshell what we're trying to do every possession. Can you give us the why though? Like what, why, what shape that that philosophy, like what, what are the numbers behind that? Because I know you talk a lot about numbers and analytics. So what, what, what's gotten you to that point? Yeah. So one is there's a couple of things before the numbers. Like I actually think uh, number one, it's a way more fun way to play And your English probably wouldn't uh, accept that <laughs> description, but uh, I, I just think it's a lot more fun. And I, I think if you can get one, the first thing is getting skilled guys. I believe in that with my entire like coaching being like you have to have skilled guys. I don't care what system you run. If you don't have guys that can play and can shoot and can handle and and it doesn't matter what you run. So that was the biggest thing for developing skilled guys. And then I think it's fun. The second thing is 
to me in transition, if you're skilled, it's way easier to make plays. Everybody teaches their guys, dribble, pass, shoot, finishing at the rim, different moves, you know. But if you can do it in two-on-two, two, there's guys that are a lot better at it in two-on-two two than in five-on-five five when the court is loaded up. So that, that, to me, is one of the reasons for transition. And then as far as the numbers, a buddy of mine is a skill development guy with the Pistons, and he does a ton of uh, – his name is DJ Baker. He does a ton with all the numbers. But, like, their numbers in transition in the first four sec first six seconds are, like, 1.26 points per possession – 18 to 12 is 1.15 on the shot clock in the NBA. 12 to 6 is 1.1. And then the last six seconds, it's like 0.9. So even something as simple as that, the quicker you score, it's harder for the defense to be set up. And I think it's like you're fighting for an open shot. That, that's the point of offense. So I, I think it's easier to find in transition. So that, that's some of the points. The other is like paint touches. That's a huge one. For us, like the points per possession on paint touches, like if you're zero here, like one of them, this is from one year from, from a team that we followed, but at zero, it's 0.87 points per possession at one, it's one point like one. If at two paint touches, you're at 1.2 points per possession. And then at three plus you're like at 1.75. So to me, like if you continually get paint touches, if you score early in transition, um, those are just a couple numbers that I think kind of help, help us do what we do and why. So obviously, Coach, you talked about, you know, it's, it's a, a funner way to play. Um, that's an easy sell to kids, no, no doubt about that. But um, how do we, how do you present it or um, sell it to your kids when you're talking to them about, you know, we need to move the ball side to side, get a a great instead of a good shot, those type of things. Do you show them the analytics? Do you show them clips? Like where do you, or how do you uh, sell that to the kids? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest things we do is we do that. We show them a ton of clips. We show it when we do it well, we show it when like all playoffs, I was sending guys clips from the NBA stuff, right? Like, so just the whole group chat, like constantly I'm recording on my TV and sending, here's what we do. This is how we get paint touches. Like there was a great clip from Milwaukee. They really had some bad spacing and they, you know, they, they weren't running anything, but they drove it three times and they get a walk-in layup. You know, that's in the NBA finals against a team that is scouted, you know, probably more than any human team has ever been scouted in the NBA finals. And, you know, three drives and they get a walk-in layup. So I just think like sending them clips all the time, we show them numbers. I, I don't think like, Kids don't always understand the numbers like, but, but we, when we can show it where we're successful and they see the right spacing and they see paint touches and they see backside two-on-ones, like, I think they, they get it and, you know, can be pretty good at it. Coach, with that, how do you, how do you teach or I guess uh, enforce your, your shot selection rules? Like, are, you, are you cool with, you know, or I guess, yeah, like if somebody takes a bad shot, how do you address that or what do you, define as a bad shot versus a good shot or, or I'm assuming you're a little loose with that I and mean, you have to be if you want to play fast and we, we've all seen Alabama play so we, we <laughs> understand there's no such thing but we're gonna let you answer it anyway <laughs> you know what like we actually do like one like I still remember Derek coming to practices and playing uh, Nintendo with the guys and <laughs> you know coming up at Romulus with Coleman and the Marvelous and uh, AJ and Kyle and playing the 
I don't know if we had Xbox back then, but uh, it's just cool to see you coaching and success and uh, it, it's pretty fun. But the, uh, you know, for us, like one thing we do is I really do try to give a ton of freedom. Like I, I like, like if guys take, like you'll see a guy take a couple shots where it's off the dribble, NBA pull up off the dribble and it's not a very good shot. And so like, I, I, I won't lose my mind on them, but we will always after games, after practices, when we show film, we will show where like, look, this is a tough contested shot. And so, you know, at Alabama, they were fortunate enough to have like all that charted, right? Like if you take a tough contested, they're gonna show you your numbers. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for us to like chart all that stuff day in and day out at practice. We won't have, you know, 18 managers, but like we will show the guys tough contested shots after every single game. We will in practice, like it might be a cleanup. Like if you take a tough contested one, or if you take a tough contested off the dribble, or if you take a tough contested pull up off one side of the floor and no paint touch, we'll call it game. That's kind of the way we run our practices is we'll have cleanups each day. And there might be one theme where if you do that, it's game over. We, most of our games are to eight. You could be up seven, nothing. And someone come down and take a tough contested one. Like we're calling game. So th th those are some, we do try to clean it up. We too, do try to say, Hey, the reason we're skilled, the reason we want to beat our guy, the reason we want to create gaps is so that you can get downhill and you can create an open shot for your teammate. Coach, you talked about, uh, I met you for breakfast one time, and, and you talked to me about your morning workouts, which are almost famous um, back in the uh, Southfield Christian days. Could you share with like our audience and, and the, the subtles just some of the things you guys did, and do you plan on doing that still at River Rouge? Because I, I feel like that's why you had so many skilled players. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Nate talks about this a lot, but, um, you know, we, uh, and when Coach Sider was there, it was our second year at Romulus. And so we had a bunch of huge rival games with you guys at Ipsy that first year. And, um, you know, and then Coach Seidel ended up coming over to coach with us, which was huge for us, like as young coaches and to see kind of how we needed to run things. And um, I thought at some point that season, we were the best team in the state, like probably middle of the season. I really like we we went into Rouge and won by 40. Like we beat Pershing by like 30 some that year. And we get into the uh, district finals. And this may have been, this was our first year actually, but in the district finals, our first year, we scored 32 points in a game against Belleville. So like, to me, we were like, doesn't matter what play you run. Like our guys won't even shoot. It wasn't like we were shooting and missing. We were afraid to even shoot it. So we were like, because they doubled Coleman. So we're like, well, we're never going to have that again. Like if you're open, you're going to shoot and we're going to teach you how to shoot. So then we just said, well, we, we got to get more working. So we started doing the morning workouts, did the same thing as Southfield Christian. And basically what we try to do is just a ton of skill work. We're like, we want you to be as confident as you possibly can be. We'll have certain days where you're just shooting. So you're coming in, you're going to try to get up 500. And then we do a ton of stuff of finishing, like one-on-one -on -one stuff, handle stuff, making reads, finishing at the rim. So we just really want the mentality of, look, we work harder than other people. We put in more time than other people, which makes us tougher, which gets us 10, you know, hopefully 10 decent guys. And then they've got to compete, which makes us play harder. And then when you face that team in, in a tough game, 
man, you know, you put in more time, you know, you deserve to win. So that's kind of the thinking behind it and the mentality behind it. And um, I think it does a lot for team camaraderie and like toughness and just the mentality of, you know, we work harder than, than other people, or at least as hard as people are. So. How often are you going to, like when you guys get to the fall, when you get to September and October leading into your season, how often will you, will you have guys in the gym, whether it's the morning or the afternoon? Um, how often will a kid be expected to, or have the opportunity, I guess, to work out? Yeah, well, we're coaching cross country this year. So a, a lot of guys will be, uh, will be involved in that. If you guys need any cross country tips, if you got a podcast on that, call me out. I'll, I'll give you all my insight, but, uh, <laughs> we, our guys are doing cross country so we'll probably we'll have the mornings will be open if they want to come in and get up workouts um and then after we do our cross country stuff you know if there's open gyms that you know they'll have a chance to get in but most guys really will have a chance to get in if they want every single day or thankfully we've got a lot of coaches in the building too so i think um you know they'll have chances to get in four-man workouts with those coaches or you know so they're really going to have a chance every day to get in if they want. Do you, do you worry at all about, you know, burning kids out in the, in the fall or like, do you feel like there's no, no real worry with that? Or is there another time of the year where you like them to get their break or just it's, it's full go or you just kind of leave it up to the kids? Yeah, I, I do worry about that. I do think guys get tired of it. They get tired of hearing my voice, other coaches voice. You get tired of doing the same thing day in and day out as much as you want to switch stuff up. A lot of your drills are going to be similar. And so you, you get guys to start doing that two and three years, you know, that's, that, that's a lot. So what we try to do is I try to kind of break it up where basically there's an eight week preseason in the fall. Uh, there's an eight week kind of off season in the spring, and then like an eight week off season in the summer. And usually if you do it right, you can get like two weeks in between the end of the season and your spring stuff, two weeks in between spring and start of the summer, two weeks break before the fall starts and then a, like a, a again, a, like a dead period of a week or two um, before the season starts. So that's kind of how we've tried to do it. Um, and then like in the spring, we'll do a lot where they have Fridays off. I mean, or yeah, definitely in the spring, fall too, like with cross country stuff, if we can, we'll, you know, give them three day weekends. So like, we want it to be fun. You want guys to want to be in there, but we also want to, you know, work, work harder than everybody. So that's something we try to balance. Coach, earlier you talked about sending four to the glass. So um, that's probably a high number for most coaches and, and their comfort level. But I'm not saying I'm kind of intrigued and excited about the idea of actually, do you ever worry about teams getting out and, and running on you? Or has that been an issue? Or do they get more cautious about boxing out because you're sending four to the glass? Yeah, that's a great question. So like Nate and I, one of the first ways we started this was with Michigan State because they would always crash four. And then even like when we first got here, 2001, 2002, like they were talking about Mateen Cleaves and how even if he was the point guard, he was the back man, even if he shot a basket at the rim. So everybody was crashing. And then, I mean, you'll see highlights with Cleaves. It's him scoring and then him looking like Carl Lewis on a sprint back, right, to, to get back on defense. And so Nate and I, we kind of argued about this and that. And um so we ended up saying, like, even at Romulus, look, our point guard is going to be the back guy, and then everybody else is crashing. So then I heard a real cool podcast. It was, I'm trying to think of the guy. It was a Colgate assistant, 
and then uh, another high school coach, but they studied like the whole season on numbers. And so basically what they found was like they actually gave up more points in transition when they didn't crash anybody. Then when it went to one, it was a little bit lower, two a little bit lower, three a little bit lower. They rarely crashed more than three. So we went back when, when I was at Alabama during the COVID and me and Adam Bowman and Derek Rongstad, we looked at every single shot the whole season. It's like over a thousand. And we charted how many people crashed and then we charted how many we scored versus how many we gave up in transition. And so, and we did it with zero, one, two, three, or four. A couple of times we actually crashed five. Um, but in my personal opinion, for, from watching every single one of those, my view was whether we crashed zero, one, two, three, four, or five, when we gave up transition, it was because we then sprint back like 1000% of the time. Now, obviously they play in the SEC and you play against pros. So you, you might have a long rebound and a pro gets a run out and scores. There's just not much you're gonna do on that. But I would say 90, 95% of the time, it was like high school. We didn't sprint back, we didn't match up, we didn't talk. Like five guys are jogging back and they hit a trail three. Like it wasn't because of how many guys you crashed. So what we end, what I ended up doing, kind of my philosophy would be, I would crash the two, three, four, and five. My one would get back and we say sprint to the circle. So like you're all the way back. Because to me, if you're in the circle, if they try to throw a long outlet, you can steal it, right? Plus you're always back. And then what we would do is I would crash our two through the free throw line. So then basically you have like a diamond, right? If your five can get to the front of the rim, your two and three corners, or whatever, you have your four crash hard, get the blocks covered and have like your two crash through. And then what I would say is if my point guard shoots it, then I now have the two get back to the circle and the point guard runs through the, the free throw line after he shoots. So, but then I like, I like a controller too. So I like somebody to pick up full on that, which I think shuts down your transition too. But one of the stats was when we crashed four, we got almost 50% of the rebounds. Wow. So you start figuring out, and when that case, we scored almost twice as much as what we gave up in transition. I, don't, I can't remember. I think it was like we, we scored like 1.4 on those and gave up like 0.7, something like that, or 1.3 and 0.65, something like that. But to me, like that's – a no-brainer then if you're going to score twice as much as you give up oh but you I mean so anyway that's my personal philosophy and I think like Colgate did it a high school team did it all of them over a thousand possessions we did it with all of Alabama so I mean that's three full years worth three thousand possessions it all tells you the same thing so that's that's kind of my, my philosophy on that yeah, just, you know, the, um, you know, just curious, if, if you got a player who, who you kind of are sending to the glass, but you're looking at his numbers after every game and he's not getting in the offensive rebounds, does that change your opinion? Or do you just like the fact that they're putting pressure on the other team to check out? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, we, we ended up having, I think we had a guy at Alabama like that. And so we ended up kind of switching roles where, that guy became like a back guy and another guy was crashing through the free throw line. 
you know, and, and picking up. So I do think just like everything else, you know, there's people who have a knack at that. I also think, I mean, my belief is 99% of it is just making an effort. And so like, if, if guys are given a hundred percent, I think those, those numbers are going to go up a little bit, but I, I do, I kind of like the pressure. That's what I thought you were going to say. You're just going to sit that kid down because he's not working hard enough. So yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> one more thing, one more thing with regard to numbers, Derek and Josh, uh, uh, are big on the, the points per possession. I know you are. Every time I talk to you, it comes up. I'm kind of old school. You know, the numbers I always cared about was, are we scoring more than 60? Are we turning the ball over less than 15? Are yep. we shooting 50% from two and trying to get 40 for three? That, I know those are old school numbers. But that said, what is the universal goal for points per possession for a high school team? Or what should it be? Like what? I mean, I, I see our stats, but I'm curious, like, what's good? What's bad? Man, that's a that that's a good question. I, like I really, obviously, got into that a lot more. At, obviously, in college, um, I probably don't know the numbers like you know, like Derek and uh, Coach Trope do. So for high school, so to me, I would think. I mean, I would think like 1.1, 1.2 is going to be pretty good if you're at 70 possessions in a game. I think that's about right for high school. I don't know, like. Uh, then you're around, what's that? I mean, 84 points a game in high school. Like for us, we want to be in the eighties for sure. And, but we're going to want more possessions too. Like we're going to play faster. We're going to try to speed people up. And again, that goes back to all the skill work. If I have 10 skilled guys and we all play really hard and we crash four and we know all of our options in transition, I think our 10 guys are going to make over the course of 75 possessions, I think we're going to make better decisions and know how to play that style more so than the other team. Um, so that, that, that's kind of my philosophy on that. But I'll be curious. I mean, what do you, Derek and Coach, what, what do you think? How many possessions do you usually have in a game? Um, for us, we were able to get – I think we played pretty fast this past year, and we were in the – the mid sixties is where we were able to get like on average uh, per game. Um, and, and we were, we were like maybe on the season, we were like just below one point per possession. And what I found is like, if you're, if you're over one point per possession, I think that was a good game. Like for, for our purposes, um, again, you know, some of that just depends on schedule level of play, whatever. But um, I think, you know, if you're really, really good, get like you're saying, getting up to 1.1, like that'd be a really good high school offense in my yeah, opinion. Sure. We were at 1.19 this year. We, we were really effective. I thought we were really bad at creating the pace that we wanted. Um, that, that's been a, or been a big focus this summer. It will be this year as well. The pace defensively we did not create the pace we wanted. So people tried to play slower against us because they knew we wanted to play faster. Um, and in our four losses this year, all four losses, we were under one point per yeah. possession. Yeah, yeah. That was just, that was the telltale right there. I got a question for you. You've talked um, a couple times about your 10 guys. So I'm, I'm sitting with my 14 year old son earlier today, looking at some questions we're going to ask today and things like that. And Luke Trope, who, uh, who puts a lot of value in his skill set, even though he, he might not be physically ready to play at the varsity level right now, sees that, you know, about having 10 developed guys. He goes, well, how does he decide who he's going to play late in the game? And not only that, but are, are you planning on playing 10 guys to do these things that you want to do this year? And this is for all my, my Chelsea Bulldogs that want more minutes. Hopefully they're listening to your answer. 
Yeah, I, that's a great question from Luke. But uh, I think that uh, we would try to play 10 guys. And, um, you know, part of the deal is, man, that, that's a great question because, you know, late game, even in summer league, we had, we had a couple games where two of our best players and leading scorers for the summer weren't in down the stretch because we got on a run with a different group of guys. So we stayed with who was rolling and who was playing hard. And to me, I really think that when you have 10 skilled guys, it forces everybody to play harder. Like coach likes to give me a hard time about our defense, you know, whether at Romulus, Southfield Christian, Alabama, but I really do think like, and, and he'll, you know, he'll tell you this, like our guys are going to play really, really hard. Like everybody will always tell you our teams play super, super hard. And part of it is if you have 10 skilled guys, I don't care if you scored 20 last game, if you give up three blow buys, you're not playing. That, that's just, I'd rather go with someone who's going to play their rear off and get into somebody and actually guard and defend and dig out loose balls. Cause if you do that, now we can go score on transition, which is what everybody loves to do. So for us, like, yes, we definitely want 10 skilled guys. We're going to play 10 guys. But in my opinion, that forces everybody to play hard, which helps you win more games. So that, that's kind of our, our philosophy on that. My one other question I have, like in terms of your offense philosophy, and we didn't really get into the details of like how you, how you guys space the floor, what you play. But um, I know, you know this look, in the past, it looked a lot like the dribble drive motion. And I know watching, at least watching Alabama this past year, like it's a lot more five out, but it's still, I feel like you can still find those dribble drive motion concepts. Yeah. Do you consider your offense to be like, kind of in that realm or how would you describe, <clears throat> I guess, the tactics of it in that sense? Yeah, so I, for me personally, one thing that I believe in a lot is for, for our offense is one, trying to score in transition as fast as you possibly can. Number two, I want us to then continuously attack, like without setting up, without pulling it back out to half court and calling, you know, fist or, you know, state or bowls or, you know, I, I want us to just continually flow into what we want. So I, like, let's say you hit ahead to the two, our twos run the right side, our threes run the left side. Let's say you hit ahead to the two and nothing's there. If he reversed to the one trailing, we wouldn't want the one to take the ball and go back out to half court and now call a five out set. We want our one to immediately attack and get downhill as hard as he fast as he can, right? So we, we want them to continually attack. Or for us, we might have the one reverse through the four in the left slot the one can corner cut out to the three and now the four can just get downhill as hard as he possibly can with huge driving gaps. And to me, that's real simple. But if you're sprinting back in closeout as fast as you can defensively and we're pushing as hard as we can and it's hit ahead, attack, swing, swing, cut, drive off. I, I think that's hard to to keep in front. I think we can create a closeout that way or same thing reverse to the one and maybe he gets into a drag with the five, but we want to immediately and continually attack. If we don't, then we get into a set. And you, I think that's what you were alluding to with Alabama is that pretty much Nate has that same philosophy where they want to run their set. If they don't, whatever they get out of the set, it flows into dribble drive. So at the end of every set that we practice, we always have two kicks at the end. 
So like, let's say you're running it for like a flex. You hit the guy off the flex cut. He doesn't take the layup in our, in our walkthrough. He kicks out to the two corner, two swings to the one. One gets downhill, plays the backside two on one, and we take a shot. And then everyone's on the glass, even in like our walkthroughs. You and I both know you're not running flex. That was for Coach Seidel, who loves flex. That's, that was a jab at Coach Seidel right there. I know that. So um, I, My heart rate went way up, man. I was like, I'll, I'll get if all If I can get there. a flex layup, I'm taking it, man. If we, if we <laughs> can manufacture an easy layup, we got to take I'm it. I'm putting it back in this year, for God's sake. Let's go. The only flex in the Panthers are doing is that with their biceps after they dunk on somebody. I know better. So <laughs> hey, um, I, going back to what Derek said, I'm going to follow that up, though, and put you more on the spot with that. So are you rim running? Are you are you trailing as a five-man coming down? Or is it the five-man's call, the drag screen? Is he screening away? Like, And I guess where I'm going at is on a miss, we all know it, it's going to be a trap meet at River Rouge. We get that. But on a make, what does that look like? You know what, we've been talking about this with our coaches actually and what we want to do. And so um, I've always been a rim run guy. I think it helps with your spacing. I think it helps put pressure on the defense. I think it helps with hit aheads. So the other thing is like Nate now, the five trails a lot, but he's got shooters at the five. So he's got fives that can shoot 40% from three in our pros. That's, I mean, that's, that's not River Rouge high school guys right now. You know, we, we hope we get to that level, but our fives right now are probably going to be rim runners. And then I would say if they're trailing the play, then they can drag it. I've always been a huge four man takes it out and five rim runs, even on misses. Cause I think for me, I think it gets the spacing, right. It puts pressure on them and creates those closeout opportunities if you're pushing. So to me, like if the five gets it in and trails, and you can't shoot at the five, the next five just sits in the lane and, and clogs everything up. So as of right now, and this could change by tonight, uh, I would say our four takes it out and our, our five rim runs, even on, on misses. And then I'd have him drag if he, uh, like if he rebounds and hits ahead. All right, coach, before we get to our shot clock segment, we got one more question for you. Um, I want to update or we, we want an update on the, the current coaching staff at River Rouge. We know at Alabama, you guys had like a, a staff of 25 or 30, it seemed like. But what what's the staff at River Rouge look like right now? So right now, uh, Dwayne Edwards, who played for us four years at uh, Romulus and then went to school in Wisconsin, full ride guy. And um, he's he's coming back and he's going to help me coach. And, um, and then uh, a guy, Steve Parham, is going to uh, help us coach as well. Um, and then Rashard Porter, he played for us all four years in, at Romulus as well. Mm. And then uh, Coach uh, Bakari uh, Alexander is going to be in the district, which is uh, pretty cool. Like he's, he's a huge uh, help, and I think he'll be really good in the district. And then a guy, Tracy Friedman. Um, is going to help as well. So I, I like them. I, I like our guys. I like, you know, it's fun to have former players, which is, which is really cool, you know, who, who know our system. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about our staff. That's impressive. He, I assume. he didn't list all the guys that, like, are doing your TV crew. He has a TV crew. You got, oh, yeah, like, yeah. They do have they – got, they got video personnel at Rouge. Like, uh, they, they do an unbelievable job. If you see their football stuff and – yeah uh they, they follow it's it's pretty impressive 
I so, assume we'll. I assume we'll have some uh, video Lucas, of Coach good, Alec, Coach Bakari in the locker room. I'm sure we're going to get some of those. He's got some those great speeches he had at Michigan. I, I, I assume we'll, we'll we'll see a couple in the Panther locker room. So, yeah, no doubt he'll be pretty good at that. All right. Well, that that gets us to our shot clock segment. This is our uh, this is part of our campaign, Coach, to uh, to bring the shot clock to to Michigan high school basketball. Um, obviously, it's a possibility in the 22-23 season. So this is just our way of keeping it out there. And uh, hopefully the MHSAA uh, adopts that uh, the following season. So um, bottom line is we, we've got five questions for you. You've got 35 seconds uh, to answer each one. Uh, a horn may or may not go off at 35 seconds. Uh, there's it's, there's going to be a first guy that gets the horn. I don't know if it's going to be you or not, but we'll see. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get going. You're on the clock. Derek, you're first. first one. All right, so a first question here has to do with pregame warm-up. I'm kind of curious if how, I guess, how controlling you are on it. Like, do you like to design exactly what it is that you guys do, or do you just let your players worry about it and it's all on them, or are you somewhere in the middle? Uh, I'd be somewhere in the middle. I like to give them a little input, like if they have stuff that they think we should do. But typically, I want us working on some stuff that we do, like the finishes that we work on, penetrating kick, one more shooting, uh, penetrating kick one more and then 0.5 into finishing. I want them working on stuff that we're actually going to do. All right. I got the next one. I mean, this question was created before we found out you were the, uh, the, the cross country guy over there. Rude. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. If all of your basketball players had to participate in a fall sport and you got to choose the sport, which one would you choose and why? Man, I, you know, to be honest, like it's a tough deal because I definitely would say football, like River Rouge football is a monster. And so there's just a toughness there, a work ethic there. There's competitiveness there that I think help translates to every sport that you would ever play in. So, so right now, I definitely say football. All right, I'm next. Uh, coach, who is a high school basketball coach in Michigan who doesn't get the credit he or she deserves? Wow. Um, well, one for me would be uh, like Coach Brundage at Southfield Christian. Uh, obviously, I coached with him, but I just think he's tremendous. Like, I think he's a top five coach in the state. And one thing I learned the most from him was his, uh, like, his game preparation on defense. Like, he, like, like you know, like, like we want to score, and I, I want to go get buckets. And, uh, you know, if we get scored on, I'm just like, get the ball in and go score. But he is like, I mean, he literally watches, he watches film every morning at like five in the morning and he'll do it all year long. And if he knows you're going to face the team in, in the districts or in the regionals, he is watching every single game and he's getting every single clip he can from the newspaper or from Twitter, or uh, he is one of the most detailed and prepared guys I've ever seen. And I think he gets more out of his guys and puts in more time than uh, most people in the state. So I, I think he's tremendous. All right, coach. Uh, I know what you wore on the bench at, uh, at, uh, at Romulus. I, I've seen pictures of, of your, uh, your state championship celebrations at Southfield Christian. I know what you wore on the bench, uh, at Alabama. What, what's your current philosophy when it comes to game day coaching attire on the bench? <laughs> That's uh, right now, I, I, I think we're trying to go with uh, like a, a business professional look. So I, I think right now we'd go with the, uh, the sport coat and uh, no tie. 
And uh, man, I, I know there's going to be a lot of hot gems. That if I just had a polo like Coach Seidel, then we, we'd be better off. But, uh, you know, Nate used to always have this philosophy was like, look, if you if you coach in the state championship, you're going to have a shirt and tie on like you're, you're going to look really sharp and you're going to be there. And so let's coach every game like it's the state championship and go one and oh. And so uh, that that was that's always been stuck in the back of my head from him saying that. So. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how how long I can keep a sport coat on, though, in, in, in those hot gyms on Friday nights. Interesting. That, that's a lot better dressed than I'll be, that's for sure. <laughs> um, last question, Coach. Uh, what what do you miss most about living in Alabama that you don't get in Michigan? Oh, man, that's a great question. One would be, obviously, the weather and, uh, you know, just the, the campus at Alabama. It's a, it's a great life and a great environment. And, uh, you know, Saturday night football games, that, that's a big deal. Going down to like the Gulf Shores. Um, th those are a couple of things that I, I think everybody misses. I think everybody should have those couple of things in their life. Good deal. Well, Coach, man, hey, we appreciate it. This was great. You're the, you're the first uh, like two-time podcast guest. You know, you're the first guy. We, we, had to, we had to go to the board of directors to make sure it was okay to bring a guy on the second time. But they said, if it's Coach Baker, it's okay. So we, we, we appreciate you taking time out of your uh, uh, your busy weekend. I, I know you got a lot going on this weekend, and uh, we wish you well. We're going to be following the Panthers. It, it, it pains me to pull for River Rouge after all those battles back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s, but we'll definitely be pulling for you guys this year. Appreciate it, guys. Great seeing you all.